story that Brother Perry just read to us is what we've been discussing on Sunday mornings this month, uh, looking at different ways that God in heaven named that baby. We're studying this not because we believe that he was born last Thursday, uh, although most of the world assigns that date to Jesus' birth. The Bible has no date for his birth. Uh, we don't know even what time of year it was, really. Uh, but everybody in the world almost is thinking about Jesus right now. I don't know any better time to talk about him than when people are interested in him. And I think uh, the names of that baby uh, have perhaps been been helpful to us. I know it's been helpful to me to think of Jesus in different ways. Our favorite verse is where we started, Isaiah 9, 6, uh, has four names of Jesus. The prophet, which that verse uh, passage referred to, the prophet said, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Uh, I hope that those stir some memories in you if you've been here all month. As I read through those, I hope we've learned them well. Uh, I hope more than that that we use them well. Uh, sometimes we need a different name for Jesus. Sometimes we need to think about dealing with wonderful counselor and listening to the advice and the strategy that gives that he gives us that's beyond human advice and strategy. Uh, sometimes we need mighty God to go with us in the battle. Sometimes we need everlasting Father to adopt us and comfort us. Sometimes we need the Prince of Peace to bring the different kinds of peace that we talked about last week as we considered that name. Now, there are at least two more names that we need to cover that uh, I think we must cover, actually, to make this uh, series kind of complete. Uh, number one is Emmanuel. I've talked a little bit about that already today. That's in Isaiah 7:14, And then the most common one, well, probably what we call him most of the time, is Jesus. We're going to look at that name and see what that entails. In fact, let's start with Jesus. Uh, it's the most personal, I guess, in some ways. It's kind of his human name is one way of, think of thinking about it. Uh, when he was on earth, that was what he was named. Uh, John 1.1 talks about the Word, and we discussed that before. The Word was with God and was God and became flesh. Well, when the Word became flesh, they named him Jesus. They named that baby boy Jesus. And we're so familiar with it. Uh, we just use it kind of easily without much thought, I think. Listen to what uh, to Paul speak of Jesus, and perhaps it will mean something different to us. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's a powerful passage. Uh, that, that's part of the Christ hymn, and Paul is explaining that God 
has now exalted him and all of that. But he said he gave him the name above every name. When, when, when you sing that song, there's something about that name. The name above all names, when we sing that song, it ought to mean something to us. That's what Paul was trying to impress on us, that that name is a name that it's above every name, and it's such a name that every knee will bow to it someday. You can name some powerful names from history. There have been some powerful characters that lived on this world that lots of people bowed down to. When they heard that Alexander the Great was coming, they bowed down. When they came before Caesar, they bowed down. But that was just in that area, that was in that time, that was in that location. This name, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. That's the name we're dealing with. And this name of Jesus... Well, he's the most polarizing name, I guess, ever. There are very few people that some want to make him king and some want to crucify him. But that's what this name was about. And still 2,000 years later, we have a polarizing political person every once in a while, a president or somebody that some people really, really like and some people really, really don't like. But after 40 or 50 years, it's not that big a deal anymore. After 200 years, their name is barely recognized. I guarantee you after 2,000 years, our presidents won't be remembered. But this name is still polarizing. Uh, This is the name that some people love and already bow the knee to, and some that hate, and they will bow their knee to, is what Paul is saying there in Philippians. So this is a very special name. The meaning of the name Jesus is pretty basic. God saves. It's an old, old name. It's one of the first ones that contains the the, the name of Jehovah in there. God saves. And actually, it was a very common name. Lots of boys were named Jesus back in Jesus' day. It was a very common name. In the Old Testament, uh, the Jewish name was Yeshua or Yeshua, which got, we transliterate it kind of to Joshua. And in the Greek, it became Jesus. Or Jesus is the way we say it. A lot of people had that name. Now you read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of Joshua's. One famous one. Uh, the historian Josephus, who wrote about the time of Jesus, in his history books, there's 19 different people named Jesus. Now there's quite a few in the New Testament. Other folks named Jesus. It was such a common name. Uh, there was one ancestor in his genealogy in Luke 3.29 named Jesus. Uh, Colossians 4.11, Paul talks about a friend to his, Jesus, who is called Justice. There's lots of Jesus names in, throughout the Bible and history and all that. But here's an odd fact about the name. By the end of that first century, it was a very, very rare name. Hardly anybody named their boy Jesus. 
And if you think about that, that's, I mean, that's counterintuitive. Uh, these days, if a, somebody's got a bad name, we stop using it. Hardly any children are named Adolf these days. You know, we, we pick bad people like that. I'm not going to name my kid after them. But good people, famous people, everybody copies that name. But not in the first century. In the first century, by the end of that century, this name was so special. It was, so, it was his name. And people stopped using it. This was the name above every name. And people understood that, and they just didn't use it anymore. It's very rare that a name goes way out of use like that. But this one did, because it was his name, I believe. Beyond that, uh, beyond being so special the way Paul talks about it, think of it this way. Jesus, he was named by heavenly orders. We get to decide what we name kids. We argue about it and talk about it and try different ones and decide finally that'll be a good one. But this one was settled by heaven. Matthew 121, the angel came to Joseph said, you are to give him the name Jesus. And then he explained why. He said, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph knew that. He knew Joshua, Yeshua, meant God saves. So the angel came and said, you're going to name your baby God saves. Because he's going to save his people. Peter amplified on that when he told the Sanhedrin in Acts 4.12. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. See the importance of Jesus? The importance of that name? It's the only name by which we can be saved. So when the angel said, you're going to name your baby boy God Saves, it meant a whole lot bigger theology, uh, theologically than just, here's a name for the boy. This had some importance to it. And, and people figuring that out is what's important. They didn't figure, they just had a hard time with that in the first century. Uh, there's a very interesting story in Mark story about the paralytic. And if we read through this story, in fact, I want to read through parts of it with you in Mark chapter 2. You don't need to turn there unless you want to. It took place in Capernaum. And Jesus, by this time, had gotten famous. He was feeding people and healing people, and people were coming to see him and all that. So he went to this one house, and word spread that he was at this house. So everybody in the area started coming. They filled the house. They got filled up around it where you couldn't even get close to the house. So it was completely maxed out attendance-wise, but there were four guys that had a friend who was paralyzed. He'd been paralyzed all his life. And they had heard about Jesus and that he could heal people and all that, so they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. So they headed to the house. When they get there, they can't get close. Well, they made their way up the outside stairs and got on the roof and tore a hole in the roof and let their friend down by ropes. Okay? I don't know what kind of homeowner's insurance the guy had, but they got him in there. 
I always thought maybe Jesus healed the roof after he got through healing the man. But they let him down. And here's where the story gets good. Read about uh, verse 5 of Mark chapter 2. The paralyzed man was lying on the mat. They lowered it down. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, now, if you were just writing the next line, if you're not looking in your Bible, what would you say? You'd probably say, son, get up and walk. That's what the story's about. But Jesus didn't. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Poor guy laying there paralyzed. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, Did they get the name? They didn't get it. The angel said, you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And so Jesus, God saves in the flesh, stands there and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Teachers of the law say, he can't do that. That's blasphemy. Well, Jesus Jesus knew what they were thinking. He probably saw their faces and figured out this wasn't going over too well. So listen to this line. This is great. Jesus said, which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and walk. Now, that's a trick question. I mean, the, you think through that, that's a good one. And he stumped them. He said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, isn't it? I can do that and nobody in here will know whether I got it done or not. Well, actually, you all will, but you really wouldn't. But... If there was somebody in here, crippled, somebody on a walker, and I said, son, throw that walker away and get up and walk. In two seconds, you'd know if I did it or not. So the teachers of the law reasoned through all this, and they said, well, huh, it really is easier to say your sins are forgiven. And Jesus said, now that you figured out that, I'll do the hard one. Son, take up your mat and walk. The guy got up and ran out of the place. What he was saying to them was, I'm Jesus, and that means something. That means God saves. That's what they killed him for. Because he was God who saves. Now, the other part of the story I want you to get before we go on to Emmanuel, the other part of the story is, what did the man come to the meeting wanting. He wanted physical healing. What did Jesus say? You need spiritual healing. Okay. Jesus completely jumped around what he was there for because Jesus knew what he needed. You need physical healing, but I'm going to forgive your sins. I think Jesus does that. We have our perceived needs, what we think we need fixed, 
But our greatest need is to get our sins fixed. That was where we started last week with Prince of Peace. What we need most is to be reconciled with God. Once we get reconciled with God and have peace with Him, then we can have peace with them. Then we can have peace with others. Then we can have these other things. And Jesus knew that, so that's where He started. Some of us need to make a note of that. We think what we need is physical healing. We think we need financial help. We think we need emotional help. We need to be reconciled to God. We need the Prince of Peace in our life. That's how Jesus dealt with people. All right, the second name for today is Emmanuel, or it means God with us. God with us. And this one, we've read it a couple of times. In fact, I think we've read it every week. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7 and 14, uh, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, Matthew repeated that prophecy verbatim, and he started out in Matthew 1, 22 and 3. He said, all, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then he quotes the prophet. So he quotes Isaiah seven fourteen again. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, what's this one mean to us? We've got the famous four from Isaiah 9. We've got Jesus kind of figured out. What's Emmanuel mean? How do we use that? You remember Moses? Remember, Moses had a hard time sometimes. He had a hard time at the burning bush, remember? God said, here's what I want you to do. I've got a job for you. I've got a task. I've got a ministry for you. And what did Moses say? Not me. Nope, don't want to do that one. Can't do that one. That one's too hard for me. Don't have that skill. Can't do it. Don't want to do it. Not going. Okay. What did God say? In Exodus 3.12, you're going to read Exodus 3.12. God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. Emmanuel. God will be with you. We can do this together. Now the name starts to mean something, doesn't it? It wasn't just Emmanuel in Bethlehem or Nazareth as Jesus was growing up. Yes, he was there in a very unique way. God was with them and all of that. But his name is still Emmanuel. And he will still be with us. The young man Joshua, over in Joshua chapter 1, let me turn to that. Joshua chapter 1, let me read you part of this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. How's that assignment for a young man? That's pretty big ministry. Okay, Moses got us this far, but now it's time to go in and you're going to lead. Joshua had some trepidations about that. He was a little nervous about that. Listen to what God said to him. Verse 5. 
no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Why should he be strong and courageous? Not because of his abilities, his talents, the size of the army, anything else, but because of Emmanuel. God said, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. And nobody will be able to stand against you. Jesus' followers were really upset when he told them he was leaving. Remember that story in the upper room? Jesus said, i got to go back to heaven now. That shook them up. That got, got them upset. And he said, it's all right. He said, I'm going to send another one. The Holy Spirit will come and be with you. But that didn't quite lock in. I don't think they quite got that. I know they didn't quite get it because there's a story at the end of Matthew when Jesus is ascending back to heaven. In Matthew 28:16, it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You believe it that late in the ministry? They still thought, I don't know how we're going to do this. He'd given them an assignment. He'd told them what was going to happen. All of that had gone on, but they didn't get it yet. How can we do this without him here? He's the one that's got us out of every mess we ever got into. He's the one that did all the miracles. He's been our guide for three years now. How can we do anything without him? And the last words in the book of Matthew say, God said, you go, you teach, you command, do, do, do all this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know I'm going back to heaven right now, but Emmanuel, God will be with you. I'll be with you till the end of the age. That's, we're still in that age. We're still going. That means he's still with us. Future followers can read that verse. It's for us. I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. See what Emmanuel means? Not just Jesus in the little house in Nazareth, but now. God will be with us to the very end of the age. Just like Moses, just like Joshua, just like the apostles. That's us. Well, how about you today? Of all these names we've looked at, which one comes to your lips most frequently? You just talk about him as Jesus without really understanding what Jesus means? Do you call him Lord without understanding what Lord means? We didn't get time to study that one. Christ, the Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here's another question. Which, which of all these names do you need most right now? I don't know which one it is. It's not limited to four names or six names. There's a whole lot more names. And I don't know which one you need the most. Of the six we've studied, 
I'd like you to think about those before you leave today. The more names we have of Jesus, the more we understand them, uh, I think the fuller and clearer our picture will be of Jesus and who he was. Today, in some folks' lives in this room, the number one most important one might be Jesus. That means, it means he is God, but it means God saves. And, and it means he's the only one that can save. If you haven't taken advantage of that, if you haven't acknowledged that, if you're trying to get through life on your own and not reconcile to him, yeah, you need the Prince of Peace, but to get him, you need Jesus. You need to respond to him and obey him this morning. Maybe, maybe you're well acquainted with Jesus, but you're not well acquainted with Emmanuel. Maybe you've done what he said to be saved and you, you call yourself a Christian and you're trying to, to walk, but you're trying to walk by your own power. And you need to meet Emmanuel. He said he'd help you. He said he'd walk with you. He will be with you and no one can stand against you. I don't know which name you need today. Whichever, we pray that you'll claim that name. You need to be saved this morning. If you need to leave the world of the lost and enter the world of forgiven sinners, you need Jesus. You need to respond this morning. Come, let's stand and sing.